Our first reading is from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Reading from the book of Micah, chapter 5, verses 2 to 5 and a bit. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be a ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely. For then greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. When the Assyrians invade our land and march through the fortresses, we will raise against them seven shepherds, even eight commanders. Our reading now is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 5 to 25. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. Now his wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, 
to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right hand of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my <coughs> wife is well on in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he couldn't speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. <coughs> the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Continuing in verse 26. In the sixth month, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, 
and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And from verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women! And blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This reading is from Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 57 to verse 80. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. 
On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbours were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeems them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. The reading continues in Luke 2, verses 1 to 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, 
and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Well, on Christmas Day um, in 1863, an American poet by the name of Henry Longfellow wrote a poem that starts like this. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and mild and sweet their songs repeat of peace on earth and goodwill to men. And the bells are ringing, peace on earth. Like a choir, they're singing, peace on earth. In my heart, I hear them, peace on earth. Peace on earth and goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth and goodwill to men. Um, Henry was living in the middle of the American Civil War. He was a 57-year-old widowed father of six children, and one of whom had sadly died in infancy, and the other had recently uh, nearly been paralyzed while fighting in the Civil War. And it's little wonder, isn't it, that when he was confronted on Christmas Day in 1863 with the message, the bells were ringing out, peace on earth, as he sat in church and he heard all the readings that we've just heard of peace on earth, someone to bring peace. It's little wonder, isn't it, that someone like Henry bowed his head in despair and said there is no peace on earth. Now I know that's a bit gloomy, but the reality is maybe that's how many of us feel as we come to another Christmas. In despair, I bow my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. And yet, as we've sat here this evening, peace is a thread, isn't it, that runs all the way through the Christmas story. 
from the ancient prophecies hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus through to the nativity story itself that we've read, peace is a theme that rings out. 700 years before the birth of Jesus, Isaiah the prophet said that a child would be born and he would be called a prince of peace. Micah, also about 700 years before the birth of Christ, promised a leader would rise and this leader would be our peace. Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad, the John that we just read about, just three months or so before the birth of Jesus, he said, this baby's coming and he is going to guide our feet into paths of peace. But I guess the clearest moment that we hear this declaration of peace is found in the words of the shepherds, of the angels, as they appear to the shepherds. Let me put them on the screen. The angels appeared and they said to the shepherds, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. There it is, peace. Peace on earth. And I guess whether you're familiar with the Christmas story or, or perhaps this is one of your first times to hear it, we need to talk about the elephant in the room, don't we? There is no peace on earth. There is no peace. 2019 has been another year marked with ongoing conflicts around the world. 2019 has seen increased violence in our city. Even last night, apparently, there was a shooting here in Enfield Town. There's no peace, is there, perhaps, in our community? There's no peace in our politics over the last year. And perhaps as we get a little bit closer to home, maybe there's no peace around you. Peace in your workplace, peace in your relationships, peace in your family. And so we have to ask the question, don't we? Where is this peace? Where is this peace that was promised by the angels in this story? Or was it just made up? What is this peace that the angels shone that sky brightly with and announced to the shepherds? What is that peace? And I want to just very briefly tonight help us to understand what those angels were declaring. They were talking about two things. Something for now and something for the future. Something that we can take hold of tangibly now and something we have to hope for, look forward to in the future. And here's the first thing, something for now. Jesus came to bring us peace with God now. Um, I don't know if you've ever had that experience of one word meaning two things to different people. Um, I have a house at the moment which has teenagers in it, and I'm increasingly learning that a word that means something to me means something completely different to them. Um, Let me just pick one example, the word sick, okay? So when, when they say the word sick... Um, Me and my wife are running for the buckets and the towels, thinking, oh no, one of the younger ones has been sick. But my teenagers are meaning, that is really good. It's like, I've taught you something tonight, if you're not a teenager. The word sick means something is great. One word, two different meanings. It can be heard two different ways. And do you know what? It's a little bit like that with this phrase, peace on earth. Maybe you've had it on a Christmas card this year. Maybe you see it on the screen here, peace on earth. When majority of us hear about peace on earth, we tend to think of peace horizontally. 
We hear it through the lens of, well, we want peace between the nations. We want peace in our communities. We want peace in our families. We want peace in our politics. We, we tend to think of peace horizontally. But when the angels appeared in the sky and they declared peace on earth to the shepherds, they were talking about peace vertically. They were talking about peace in our relationship with God. It's not that they're ignoring the other peace, but they were recognizing something else. You see, according to the Bible, the problem of a lack of peace here on earth is not actually a, a, just a problem we have with one another, but it has a far deeper root. It is a problem with humanity's relationship with God. And it's this relationship, the relationship between humanity and God who made us, that first needs healing before there can be peace anywhere else. Friends, that is the peace that Jesus came to bring. Peace with God. The word peace um, means to have harmony. It means, or part of its meaning, is to be in tune. So our community choir, and I think you'd agree they've done a fantastic job. We're going to hear more from them later. But our, our choir have gathered on Thursday evenings and they've learned to be in tune with each other. They've learned to be at peace with each other and to have harmony with one another. But humanity is out of tune with God. Humanity is singing a different tune to the one that God made us to sing. We've turned away from him. We've done it collectively. As a nation, we're just pushing God out and out. No, no more God. We've done it individually, perhaps. We've, um, we've rejected his authority, his right to rule over us. We've increasingly even treated God like he doesn't exist. We've sung out of tune with God, and yet God, despite the fact that we've treated him like that, in his kindness, has extended the hand of peace. And friends, that's what the Christmas story is. It's an extension of God's hand to make peace with those who've made war against him. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, was born into this world to guide our feet into paths of peace, that is, into peaceful relationship with God. And he was born not just to guide our feet, not just to teach us something, but Micah tells us he was born to be our peace. Now, how did he do that? Well, for that, friends, you need the whole of his story. You need the whole life. You can't just have Christmas. You can't just have the manger and the nativity. You need all of the story. Let me read you some words from later in the Bible and explains something to us about how he brings us peace. It says this, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus, through his death and through his resurrection, did bring peace on earth. Peace between God and humanity. He has made a way for this broken relationship to be healed and to be restored, for there to be forgiveness. 
Do you know the very first words um, that Luke records for us? We were reading from Luke's Gospel tonight. If you were to read on and just keep going through the story, the very first words that Jesus says to his disciples when he rose from the dead is, peace be with you. Because it worked. Him raising from the dead, what he did at the cross has brought us peace. Jesus came to bring us peace with God now. Don't have to wait for it. It's here. See, every bit of unrest in the world around us, whether that's a a war in your neighborhood or whether that's a war in your family or, or, or what it is in the nations around us, every bit of unrest should lead us, should drive us to say, hey, there's a deeper problem here. And it's the problem between humanity and God. And it should drive us to Jesus as the one who came to bring us peace with God. See, ever since that first Christmas, ever since that first nativity scene, God has been proclaiming a message to the world through the church, through the pages of the Bible. He has been announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. And friends, I want to tell you tonight that God, the Lord Jesus, is still bringing ordinary people like us peace with God. And maybe tonight, he has brought you into this building to hear the message of Jesus, to hear the message of peace, because he wants to bring you peace with God. It's a peace, friends, that you can enjoy now. And actually, it's a peace when you discover it that can unlock all sorts of other peace. Peace with other people. Peace of your heart if there's things you feel troubled about. But Jesus came to bring us that peace. And I want to say to some of you tonight, have you got that peace? Do you know that peace? You can ask Jesus for it. That's the beauty of the story. It's meant to lead us to him and say, I want that peace. You see, that is the something that the angels were declaring, something that we can have now. That is the peace that Jesus came to bring. But actually, they were also talking about something future. There's something else, something we're waiting for. And then we put it like this. Jesus promises perfect peace on earth in the future. Let let me read on the the poem I, I read to you at the beginning, the song by Henry Longfellow. Let me read you how he continues. He hit this point of despair. In in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. And he hits this point of despair in his life. But then he listens more carefully. Then he listens to the Christmas story. And this is how he goes on. Then the rang the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. Peace on earth, peace on earth. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. You see, as he listened in to the Christmas story, as he listened to the bells ring in sending Jesus into this world, as he he let that story play out in his life, he was not deterred from a great Christian belief. He was not put off by the despair of the things that he saw in the world around him. Jesus will one day bring peace on earth. I said um, that the word peace means harmony. That's part of its meaning. But actually, ultimately, it comes from a Hebrew word called shalom. Uh, And that word shalom, it it captures more than just the, the absence of conflict. The word shalom captures 
wholeness, completeness, fullness. And Jesus promises fullness, completeness, peace on earth to all those to whom he gives peace now. Let me just read you some words. You can read about this all over the Bible, and I'd encourage you to check it out for yourself. But let me just read you some words from the end of the Bible. Let the Bible speak for itself and see what you think of this world that is described, the one that Jesus will bring. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. That's just its way of talking about the world. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look! God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. That's the vertical piece. You see that? But then listen to this. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Friends, isn't that a world that you want? That is a world of peace. Vertical peace, our relationship with God fully put back together, and horizontal peace, all the things that cause us to weep around Christmas time, disappear. That is the peace that Jesus brings. And he, the peace, the things that Jesus did do when he came in his first coming, the peace he brought us with God, should assure us of the peace that he one day will bring when he comes again. Jesus brings us peace with God now. (laughs) We're a now culture, aren't we? You can have that now. There you go. There's a takeaway for you. But there's something we have to wait for. And it's the peace that Jesus will bring. And friends, when the angels stood in front of those shepherds and they said, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. That's the peace that he was talking about. The peace with God, the peace now, the peace future. And I want to simply ask you again, do you know that peace? Do you know peace with God now? And do you have hope that the world will one day have peace in the future? And friends, if you're here and you do and you you rejoice, that's what you're celebrating this Christmas, then let me urge you to join the angels in saying, glory to God in the highest. Glory, honor, fame to God because of what he's done for us. And do not let the despair of our world deter you from the hope that Jesus will one day put this world right. And if you're here as yet and you don't know that peace, then I'd simply say to you, well, you could know that peace even tonight. You could ask Jesus for it. And if you're not ready to do that tonight, then let me encourage you to do something else. Here's what the shepherds did, okay? So remember that this message was announced to a bunch of shepherds. And let me just read you what they did. And maybe this is something for you to do as a result of tonight. They said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, I'm not encouraging you to go to Bethlehem. and That would be an expensive flight out of here. But what they did say was this. We've just been told something by God. He's announced something to us. Peace on earth. We better go and check it out. And I'd encourage some of you here tonight, if this is new to you, please let me encourage you to check it out. Check it out. We, we've got all sorts of ways that you can do that here as a church. We'd love to help you to check it out for yourself. 
And there's some giveaways I'm going to tell you about at the end that will help you to do that. But this peace, peace that we can have now, peace that is promised to us for the future, is a precious thing. And friends, in a world that that is trying to solve peace in all sorts of ways, can I put before you tonight what Jesus says is the answer to the problem of unrest in our world? I'm going to say a prayer. Uh, In a moment, the choir is going to come up, and what they're going to sing to us is that poem, that song that Henry Longfellow wrote. And I want to let that message just sink into us this evening, a message of peace on earth, peace with God, and a promised peace for the future. I'm going to say a prayer. If you want to say it uh, with me, just say amen at the end. Um, But it's going to be a prayer that perhaps you could use to ask Jesus for peace this Christmas time. But let me lead us in a prayer. Lord Jesus, we're sorry that we have been out of tune with you, that we have lived our own way, that we have treated you like you don't exist. Thank you that you came to bring us peace, peace with God now, as we trust in you, Jesus, our Saviour. I want to be part of that peaceful future that you promised to bring. Help me now to live at peace with you. Amen. Well, we're going to listen to the choir sing us that Henry Longfellow poem.
Well, before we sing a final carol together, um, I'd like to lead us in a prayer. I'd like to pray uh, for our world. I'd like to pray for our community. Uh, and I'd like to pray for you guys too. So let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Our God and our Father in heaven, we know that it can be very easy at this time of year, like Henry Longfellow in 1863, to bow our heads in despair and say there is no peace on earth. And Father, we thank you that you have extended the hand of peace to us in sending Jesus, the Prince of Peace, into this world, that the root of, of lack of peace in our world might be fixed. We thank you for Jesus, who gives us peace with you. And Father, we would ask, please, that, that you would look on our world in all its conflict in all its unrest, and that you would be pleased to bring peace. Father, we want to pray for our world at this Christmas time. We pray for areas of our world that are still in conflict, where people are living in fear of their lives, even as we sit here in comfort. Father, please, in your mercy, bring peace. And Father, as we remember our world, we want to pray for our community. Father, we pray for Enfield. Father, we thank you for this town to which we belong. And Lord, as many people um, feel the fear, perhaps, because of increasing unrest in our community, Father, with increasing reports of violent crime, Father, even the shooting in Enfield Town last night, Father, we grieve over such unrest. And we ask, Father, that in your mercy, please, you would bring peace. And Father, we pray for one another here. Father, Christmas will mean different things to lots of us. For some of us, it's something we're buzzing about and looking forward to. For some of us, it's something we're dreading. And Father, we would simply pray that in our worlds, you would bring us peace. Peace in our relationships. Peace in our workplaces. Peace with the people that we mix with. Father, please look on those for whom this time of year is hard. And please help. Thank you that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us come to care for us and help us and to be our peace. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.